0: Good evening, ladies and gentlemen and anybody else that may be here we're going to be in John chapter three. I'd like to welcome a special visitor and uh, she's on she's on the internet she's on Facebook live and she actually we went to high school together 5two years ago <laughs> And, uh, hi, Janet. Okay. I'm glad she's here. John chapter 3. Very familiar chapter, of course. But I want you, I want you to just lend me a little bit of your time here. Maybe we can go down through here and see how we, we can interact with, uh, those people that we meet every day. A lot of times Christians have issues witnessing to those they work with, those that they... um, Excuse me. um, That they work with, they encounter at the gas station, wherever. Uh, Number one is, the best thing you can do is be armed and ready. Just have a gospel tract. For those fleeting moments where you can just pass someone the word. You never know uh, what just a little word will do for someone. someone I was uh, listening to a, a man that says that people today are aching for just an encouraging word. And he says that it's so few and far between that it makes a huge difference just an encouraging word. Like, good job. And before I ever knew this gentleman, his name's Jordan Peterson, he's a secular psychologist, but he's got a lot of stuff that's very right, just as a matter of studying people over the last 30 or 40 years. And I used to be a plant manager for about four different plants, and I always liked to treat people like that. I always liked to encourage people. Um, Sometimes I would incur rage. But most of the time I try to encourage. So using John chapter three as an example of how you would handle a lost person, How do you handle their arguments? How do you handle their approach to you and realize that you're not the repository of all knowledge. And so you instead of, instead of just using your intellectual knowledge, allow God to give you the truth to speak to them. Using the knowledge that you've gained from the Word of God. Okay, so let's pray. We'll start this out. Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you, Lord, for watching over us, and for guiding us. We thank you, Lord, for saving our souls. We uh, ask, Lord, that you would be with the Brooks, Lord. And uh, this is a, a really, a really bad time, Lord. Uh, I happen to personally know this. Uh, it's just a time that is just devastating. And just pray that you'd give the family the comfort that only you can. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, just give me a few minutes. Let's start in John chapter 3, verse 1. It says, There was a man of the Pharisees. Now, listen. This Bible is the Word of God. When it says, there was a man of the Pharisees, guess what? There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. Now, For you to be a ruler of the Jews, you were not a dummy. You were an intellectual. You had gone to school, lots of them, lots of schools, lots of classes. And it wasn't like today. It was serious classes. You got thumped for not paying attention. Okay? The way it was when we were back in school. The same came to Jesus by night. Now, why did he come? Now, I'm going to be picking. This is just the way I teach, preach, whatever. He came to Jesus by night. Why did he come by night? Why does so, why does someone come up when there's nobody else around and they say, "Hey, Connor, I want to ask you about you know, you know, I heard you talking to somebody about the Lord the other day." Well, they don't come up when there's six other people around. What? You need to back up and say, you know what, this, this guy, in order for him to approach me, he's been doing some thinking. He's been doing some watching. He's been doing, you know, some contemplating on, and, and he's coming to a person that has shown, and this happens to all of us. I'm picking on Connor because uh, he is in a very prideful unit, and that is law enforcement officers, very prideful unit. United States Marine Corps, very prideful unit. Air Force. I mean, Air Force. Uh, so, <clears throat> no, no reflection on you, D. This is all on Paul. Um, the same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi. Now, listen. He addressed him with a very honorable title. Rabbi. That was like elite. Why would he call him Rabbi? He's just some carpenter's son over there, you know, that just been building chairs and couches and tables and stuff. Why would he call him Rabbi? We're going to find out here. Now notice what else he says. Rabbi, we know. The Pharisees have been talking amongst themselves. We know. Now when you know something, you know it. It's not, you're not guessing. You're not, I think. It's I know. Or I we know. We know. What do you know? There are some things you know. Some of us know a lot of things. Some of us don't know much. None of us know everything about everything. Okay? So he says, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. Now, why would he say, now, we know you've come from God. You're, you're, thou art a teacher come from God. How did he know that? Because he knew he didn't go to any of the, any of the schools he didn't go to any of the... He, did, he didn't practice underneath a uh, Gamaliel. Okay? He didn't, that was the, the leading scholar of that time. He didn't... He just showed up. According to the Pharisees, he just showed up and he just, he just knew this stuff. He wrote the very books that they studied about. Showing that you can study the Bible all you want For the rest of your life, and if you don't ever have a life-changing, a heart-changing meeting with the Lord Jesus Christ, you're going to die and go to hell and know a lot of Bible. You understand? Just the way it's going to be. So it says, We know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. Now, notice he said miracles. The Jews, we can't go to all the verses to prove what I'm saying. You just have to study the, the Jews required a miracle. They required signs. Remember Moses? Threw a rod down. What happened? Turned into a serpent. Picked it up. Guess what? Turned back into a rod. Put his hand into his shirt. Leprosy. Put it back in, back out. Leprosy cured. Now, it was a nation that was born with signs. Okay? so So we have a guy here. They've, they, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. Now, hold your hand there. Let's go over to John chapter 7. And we notice in this passage, there's a lot of people who have questions. This, we're just, this is just one man, but this, this one man exemplifies the people you go to school with, people you work with, the people you meet every day. They're full of questions. They may not act like it. They may be act super confident. They may act like they don't need God. But let me tell you something. Everyone, when they lay their head on their pillow that night, there there's a hole, a God-shaped hole inside of them that's yearning for yearning to be filled, whether they admit it or not. And that's why you. And I, as Christians, are here on the face of this earth, is to be someone who can give answers. Nicodemus came to the person that could give answers. Can someone come to you and get answers from the Bible? Have you studied enough? Do you know enough? Do you care enough to know? You don't have to be. You don't have to have a doctor's degree or any other kind of degree. You just need to know basically what does the Bible say about salvation. What does the Bible say about Jesus Christ? What does it say about God? What does it say about the afterlife? What does it say? I mean, just no one's going to answer, going to ask you really deep questions. There's a lot of people who have questions and they don't want to ask in the daylight. The daylight is figurative, meaning they don't want to ask with a whole bunch of people around. Usually it's very rare. Somebody will ask you questions like I I did have a guy in the Marine Corps. His name was Larry Schneider. And he was a Jew, full-blooded, all the way Jew, Hebrew. And we used to really talk about the Bible and about uh, Jesus being the Messiah and all that. And he goes, well, if God will show up on the road to me like he did to Paul, then I'll believe. And I said, well, you're never going to believe then. But that's, what, that's how they think, do you understand? So what do you do? You live a good, consistent life in front of those people, so that they can see that you are different than all those other people. That there's something different about you. And sooner or later, uh, you're going to have some discussions. My wife and I had him over for supper. We would, have, we, would, we would have people over for supper like that, and we would talk to them about them. We wouldn't bulldoze them. We would just try to answer their questions. Okay, um, There are some things that they do know just like Larry knew about you know, the road to Damascus and how the, the Lord Jesus showed up to Paul. I mean, he knew that. That's New Testament. Because somewhere he heard that, somewhere. Okay? So uh, don't assume they're stupid. Don't, they may be smarter than you are. <laughs> you understand? Intellectually, they may be able to intellectually just run circles around you. But that, that doesn't get you saved. What gets you saved is the gospel. You're, you know enough about the gospel. You know the gospel and you can keep giving it to them. Here a little, there a little. Line upon line, precept upon precept, just a little at a time. Is not my word like a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces. Joey, do I usually break a rock with one hit or with several? several? Several. Especially if I want to break it the way I want it to break. Okay, you don't, you don't get to be uh, a ruler of Jews by being stupid, like I said. So in John, uh, first of all, Nicodemus said, you're a teacher, come from God, according to our estimation. According, we believe that thou art a teacher, come from God. So in John chapter 7, verse 14, now about the midst of the feast, Jesus went up into the temple and taught. And the Jews marveled. Now, what's he doing? He's in the temple and he's teaching. You're not supposed to teach unless you know what you're talking about. Right? So here's a man. Okay? It says, now, about the midst of the feast, Jesus went up into the temple and taught. And the Jews marveled, saying, how knowest this man letters, having never learned? In other words, we didn't teach him. We got the only schools around here. You can't do that unless you go to our school. You've got to go to Faith Bible or else. You don't know anything. Well, that's what they're saying. They just didn't have Faith Bible back then. But you see what I'm saying? And you get this between colleges and stuff. You know, if you didn't go to so-and-so, then da-da-da-da-da. You know. But these guys noticed. The Jews marveled. Marveled. That's a good word to study. Even Jesus marveled. Okay? It's a good word to study. Jesus answered them and said, verse 16, My doctrine is not mine, but His that sent me. You know, if your doctrine is yours, you're teaching the wrong doctrine. Your doctrine is not yours. Our doctrine is He who sent us, Jesus Christ, who is the Word of God. We don't teach our doctrine. We teach His doctrine. You start teaching your doctrine, you're going to start leading people astray or you're going to get them all mixed up, jumbled, scrambled. You just stay with this doctrine and you're going to be good. Verse 17, If any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. Let's go down now. Because this is a parenthetical thing we're doing here. Let's go down to uh, verse 43. And it says, So there was a division among the people because of him. Yeah. Isn't that what happens when you start teaching somebody the gospel and there's more than one there? Oh, I don't believe that. Oh, my church doesn't teach that. It shouldn't be my church doesn't teach that. It should be my Bible teaches that. Okay, Because you don't want to get in an argument about Churches. Okay? That's not... You don't want to... Most people, they want to either argue about churches that you're talking with, or they want, to, they want to argue about the end times, or they want to argue about some weird doctrine, when what you need to be talking about is the gospel. You need to be talking about... If their soul is not saved, they can be right on all that other nonsense and go straight to hell, like we said a while ago. That's not what we're about. We are about the gospel. The death, burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. I was a lost, baptized church member when I met my wife, Carol. Why was I a lost, baptized church member? I went to church because I wanted to find a good girl. And I got baptized because I didn't want any heat on me. Hey, I'm baptized, I'm good, I'm cool. Right? No. Well, about yeah, two years later, a year and a half later, we we met the Lord in a little church like this in Jacksonville, Florida. The man preached the gospel, and we both realized. Well, Carol got saved three days before I did, so she's older than I am. She, I, I hate it when she tries to pull that rank on me, tell me what to do. But now she doesn't, and just teasing. But uh, she, a, a young lady from the church we were going to, came down and witnessed her at little old trailer park we were at in Jacksonville. And that got me to thinking. I came home that day from school, and she goes, guess what happened to me? And I said, what happened? She goes, I got saved. And I said, thought you already were saved. Just like that. But that ate on me. You understand? And I got to thinking. You know, I said, you know what? I'm not saved either. That was a bunch of baloney I pulled on back there, you know? And so... About three nights later or so, in the next church service, the preacher was preaching hell, fire, and damnation. And, and I'm going, man, I was 20. I just turned 20. And this guy, I think, was in his, he's about Jonathan's age, about th- mid-30s. And, uh, man, he was preaching it. And I said, man, if what he's preaching, I'm going straight to hell, and I know it. I mean, there was no doubt and I couldn't wait for him to shut up so I could get saved. Because you know, I th- you know, back then, you know, you, you you know, you had to walk the aisle, you had to kneel at an altar and you had to say a prayer. But that wasn't what it was. As soon as I let go of that pew and I started walking, I got saved. Because I had made that choice, I had made that decision, and I acted upon it. When you believe, you get saved. Not because you walked, not because you kneeled, not because you crawled down the aisle and wallowed around and had a blanket thrown over you or any of that kind of stuff. Yeah, I've been to those churches too. So uh, in verse 43 again, it says, So there was a division among the people because of him. He still causes division. Just try to witness to somebody and find out. I don't want to hear it. Well, there you go. There you go. Do you realize that you've got to make a friend before you can make a convert? Do you realize that you've got to get to know people? Do you realize that Jesus was a friend of sinners? Do you realize that in Corinthians it talks about people that you're supposed to uh, remove yourself from and it's believers that are not living right and it's not lost people? Do you realize that we... We need to become, now I'm not talking about drinking buddies, I'm talking about friends, having them over for supper, having a barbecue, have, you know, just treating them like real people. And they realize that, hey, this guy's for real, and I'm with, and you start talking to him about the Lord and everything, just a little at a time, When the Lord get, when the Lord opens the door, sometimes the Lord opens that door, I mean, wide open, sometimes he just kind of creaks it open. And when they get to the feeling that they can trust you and trust what you say, then guess what? The Holy Spirit works on them. You've got to realize, you have got an inside man when you're witnessing to somebody. And that's the Holy Spirit working on their heart. Okay? You don't get people saved. You are the wrench. You are the tool. You're the drill. You're the, you understand? You're the tool that God's using. And if you're the right size wrench for that nut, guess what's going to happen? It's going to come loose. Just the way it is. Okay, he says, verse 44, And some of them would have taken him, but no man laid hands on him. Man, they, they wanted him gone. They wanted him dead. Then came the officers to the chief priests and Pharisees, and they said unto him, Why have you not brought him? Now listen, officers... You ready? Chief priests and Pharisees. Real quick. Stay right there. Real quick. John chapter 3, verse 2. He was, here was a Pharisee, Nicodemus, ruler of the Jews. He said, we know. What did these very ones know right here that wanted to take him and kill him? We know that thou art a teacher come from God. We know. Now this was four chapters or five chapters, or four chapters before, okay, that he's saying this. Why have you not brought him? The officer said, Never man spake like this man. You know, when when you teach the Word of God, you teach the Gospel, you preach the Gospel, you witness the Gospel, no man speaks like you do. Understand? You're speaking the Word of God, which is quick and powerful. Sharper than any two edged sword. Understand? Cutting, dividing. Okay? So it says, Then answered them the Pharisees, Are ye also deceived? Now, you see how they're acting like Democrats? Democrats, socialists, and communists always use the same ploy they accuse you of what they're doing. You understand? When the Democrats come out and say, yeah, the Republicans are doing this, they're doing that," No, it's not the Republicans, it's the Democrats that's doing that. It's just the way a socialist works. They accuse you of the very thing they're doing. Notice what they're doing. Then answered them the Pharisees, are ye also deceived? Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. You see what they're doing? They're scared. They're going to lose their place and their nation. That's what they were scared of. The money. The power. The prestige. It says, have any of the rulers, now notice now, have any of the rulers or the Pharisees believed on him? But this people who knoweth not the law are cursed. Knoweth not the law. In other words, we don't teach them the law, so they won't know the law so they'll be cursed. Well, isn't that what the Catholic Church did in the Dark Ages? Exactly is what they did. They had, a, they had three tools in the uh, Dark Ages. The Index, the Inquisition, and I can't remember the other one, but the Index was a list of books that you were not allowed to read, even if you could read back then. And on that Index was listed The Bible. You weren't allowed to read that Bible. We're not allowed to read that Bible. Why? Because you can't understand it. We have to tell you what it means. Now, anybody with any sense says, oh, you're going to tell me what it means. I can't know what it means. So I have to come to you so you can tell me what it means. Where's God in this? He's not anywhere. But this people who knoweth not the law, are cursed. Nicodemus, oh, here comes Nick, oh, Nick again, who just got through saying, and this is not Saint Nick. Of course, he might be a saint by now because he might have gotten saved. We know that thou art a teacher come from God. Okay. And Nicodemus saith unto them, he that came to Jesus by night, being one of them, Doth our law judge any man? So he's taken up for Jesus here as as much as he can. Doth our law judge any man before it hear him and know what he doeth? They answered and said unto him, Art thou also of Galilee? Search and look. For out of Galilee ariseth no prophet, and every man went to his own house. Now see, they were hung up on that. Out of Galilee cometh no prophet. Where was Jesus from? Where was he born? Bethlehem. But God, in His great knowledge and mercy, said, Hey, Joseph, you better take everybody down to Egypt, man, until Herod gets through with his fit. Herod kills all the babies two years old and under, and then they come back and they go to where? Nazareth. Oh. So the Pharisees don't really know that he's from Bethlehem. Where the Messiah was going to come from. So Don't build up your doctrine on your ignorance. Okay. Back to uh, John chapter 3. Now notice how Jesus deals with Nicodemus. Nicodemus comes and he says all this stuff. Uh, Rabbi, you know, like, oh, great one, even though he hadn't gone to any of the schools. Rabbi, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him what did Jesus do oh well let me tell you about my pedigree let me tell you where I'm from no watch what he did he said verily verily I say unto thee except a man be born again he cannot see the kingdom of God he didn't go into last times he didn't go into uh, all this thing about him being God you know before the foundation of the world And then he didn't do all that what did he do straight to the problem, which was Nicodemus, Nicodemus was an unbeliever. That's what you and I have to do. If you're dealing with someone, if you don't know someone saved, then deal with them like they're not. You'll find out sooner or later. But it's better to deal with them like they're not, because let me tell you again, another when they lay their head down on that pillow, they're going to say, man, that guy, he said this, and he said that. And if what you said was from the Word of God... The Holy Spirit, when everything gets quiet, you know what I'm saying? You lay your head down on the pillow and you're trying to go to sleep and this stuff is going through your mind, you know. Man, that guy said Jesus was the only way. And man, my church teaches this or my church teaches that. uh, Man, you know, you don't have to do works. Man, I always thought you had to be good. and God sorts it out once you die. Boy, if you wait that long, it's over. It gets sorted out before you die. And you never know when you're going to die. You know, you never know. You talk to someone one day. I was I was sitting in my recliner, and my Georgia was at the house. And as I always do, because it's just the way I am, I hug my children in public, in private, whenever it doesn't matter. I hugged her neck and said, uh, I love you. I'll see you later. And went back over and sat down while she was still talking to her mom. And then for some reason, the Lord said, get up and give her another hug. Got up and gave her another hug. Went back and sat down. The Lord said, you know, go ahead and give her another hug. I got up. I don't do that. I'll give you a hug and then I'll go sit down. And you can... I'm not I'm not one for long goodbyes. I don't like Long goodbyes. We have a button on our steering wheel where you can hang the phone up. And once that kid says goodbye, instead of you know them going goodbye, see you later, goodbye, oh yeah, I love you, goodbye, 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 I go click. Enough of that nonsense. You know we said goodbye. So third time I got up and I hugged, I hugged Georgia and I said, and hey, y'all be careful. The Last time I saw her alive was right there, about eight feet from where I sat in my recliner, right there. Okay, You never know. Do you understand? Now, according to her testimony, she was saved and I'll see her again. Okay? But the deal is, you never know when that person that God gives you a chance to talk to is going to die. It could be your child. <laughs> you understand? You take every chance you can get. And I'm not talking about bulldozing people. I'm just saying... A little bit here and a little bit there and a little bit here. And sooner or later, they're going to to put two and two together. Kids are smart. Adults are smart. They're just smart. You realize that some of the King James Bible translators before they were seven years old, they knew five different languages. We're talking Greek, Hebrew, Latin, German, and English. At seven years old, kids are smart. We just don't, put them to the test. And uh, they're a lot smarter than we let, let let them on be, you know what I'm saying? They can they can do a lot more than we give them credit for. All right. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Jesus went straight to the point. Verse 4, Nicodemus saith unto him, "How can I this is the way you, the this is the way the person is going to think that you're witnessing to. He doesn't have a spiritual bone in his body. Okay? The, he goes, Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Now see, he is totally down here on the the fleshly plane. Okay? Jesus is not even talking down here. He's talking up here. And that's what you're doing to the people you're witnessing to. And you've got to realize that. They're down here. You're up here. You know what I'm saying? And you've got to, you've got all that knowledge that you've got. You've got to make that where... That's understandable to them. And now that's what Jesus is about to do. Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee. you." Notice that two times he said verily, verily. That means truly, truly. You need to speak the truth. In love, like the Bible says. Verily, verily. I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the capital S Spirit. Notice the capital S. Important. Punctuation's important. Capitalization is important. I can show you where a comma means the difference between 2,000 years and seven letters means that Jesus won't come back again or he will come back. Seven letters that the Catholic Church moves a comma seven letters over and changes the whole end-time theology. One comma, seven letters. They don't even change the words. Just move a comma. This word is perfect. So, except a man be born of water, little w, water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, both F, F, is small letters. And that which is born of the Spirit, capital S, is Spirit, little s. So that which is born of the Spirit, God's Spirit, your Spirit, is a little s, Spirit. Well, how do we know that? Okay, let's go all the way back to Adam and Eve. Okay. Thou shalt not eat of the fruit, right? The tree of knowledge of good and evil. In the day, in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Did they die? No, man. Adam lived until 939 years old. Yes, they did die. But not physically. Their fellowship, their spiritual, their spirit died according to their fellowship with god god didn't walk with him in the the cool of the day anymore that that quit kicked him out of the garden flaming sword and angel guarding until the flood took it away so that which is born of the spirit of spirit marvel not that i say unto, unto thee ye must be born again so guess what Ye must be born again. If you're not born again, then you're going to die and go to hell. Now, that's just straight up the way it is. Ye must. The wind, and he said marvel not, and he's going to give you an example here. The wind bloweth where it listeth. In other words, the wind blows where it wants to. And thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. You're going to be born of the Spirit in God's timing. It takes the Word. It takes someone to preach it. It takes someone to teach it. It takes you to read it. There's been people that have gotten saved just reading the Bible. This Word is spiritual. It deals with you on a spiritual level. It also deals on you with a physical level, but we're talking right now, we're talking about the spiritual level, and then verse nine. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, "How can these things be?" Now listen, we're to have compassion on those who don't who do not have spiritual understanding. They are not plugged in. I've got some. I got, I've got some two way radios, two way walkie talkies. You know, and you can dial in whatever frequency you want, and you can have a receive, and you can have a transmit frequency separate. Okay, Well, if I've got that radio and Connor's got the other radio and he's on a different frequency, we're not talking. We've got to be on the same frequency. Even if he's on the frequency that he can hear me, if he's not on the one that I'm listening on, you know, transmitting on that, I'm sorry. It's just not going to do it. We've got to be on the same frequency. The lost person will never be on your frequency unless he gets born again. So that means you have to use, just like Jesus is using, you have, to be, you have to use things that they can relate to in explaining the spiritual meaning of being born again. So, verse 10, Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou a master of Israel? And knowest not these things. Do you realize that what Jesus is teaching right here was in the Old Testament? Their eyes were blind and they couldn't see it. Now we can look back and see it and say, "Oh yeah, well, yeah, that's what it means." Oh yeah, well we got the New Testament. We've got the Spirit. We can interpret now. We get the right frequency. They didn't have that. Their their eyes were totally, and and they're still that way. I was listening to uh, Ben Shapiro. And a Christian talking to one another. Christian was a very educated man. Way out there. And they were talking about the Messiah and Jesus and how He could be the Messiah and all that. And they were having a very civil discussion. But Ben Shapiro is just... They can't see it. I talked to a Jewish rabbi one time on the steps of a church for about two hours. Could not see it. They just could not see it. Now... Is my, is my word not like a hammer that breaketh a rock in pieces? Yes. And that's what it takes. Tap, 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 tap. And sooner or later, it's going to break. And if you're skilled with the word of God, like Joey is skilled with a hammer, this, the shape's going to come out the way it's supposed to. Most of the time. It's cool watching a mason do that. I mean, it's just like, that's like some kind of witchery. Magic, you know what I'm saying? And they're just sitting there going, tick, 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 you know, talking and looking around, and all of a sudden, boom! Oh yeah, that fits. So the way it is with the Word of God. It says, verse ten again. Jesus answered and said unto him, "Art thou a master of Israel and knowest not these things? Verily, verily, there he goes again. I say unto thee, we speak that we do know and testify that we have seen, and ye receive not our witness." In other words, I'm telling you the truth. He's already said verily, verily three times right there. I'm telling you the truth, and you do not receive what I'm saying. In verse 12, if I have told you earthly things and you believe not, how shall you believe if I tell you of heavenly things? Different frequency. And no man hath ascended up to heaven. Now get this verse right here. No man hath ascended up to heaven. But he that came down from heaven, who is that? That's Jesus, right? Even the Son of Man which is in heaven. Now, he's standing right there in front of Nicodemus, and he's telling him, I'm in heaven. How is he in heaven? I and my Father are one. Yet he was standing right there. Verse 14, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Now, so why did did Moses... Make a serpent. The children of Israel were griping and complaining and moaning, and God said, Okay, fiery serpents. Poof. All right. Now, so what had to happen to someone to get healed? You say you had to look. You had to look and live. That's the way the song says, look well, before you could if you hadn't been bit by a serpent and you looked, what, what good would that do? It wouldn't do any good. You didn't need to be healed. You had to be bitten by the serpent. You've got to know that you're lost and you've got to know that you're on the way to hell before you'll ever look at Jesus Christ and live. You've got to know that. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Every one of us. You've got to realize that. If you don't realize that, you'll never get saved. Ever. You've got to realize that you've been bitten by sin. And then, the Son of Man... Should be lifted up. When He's lifted up, and you look at Him for salvation, then guess what? You can be saved. And it's belief. Do you understand? It's belief. Verse 15, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have eternal life everlasting life. He just told you two different ways that you're going to live forever. Eternal life, everlasting life. No matter what anybody says, Jesus is right. Right. Verily, verily. And the next verse that we always forget to read because we don't like to have this kind of attitude. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world. Don't be condemning people. It's not your job. Let me tell you something. When you witness to people, the Holy Spirit's going to do a really, really, really good job of taking care of business. Really good job. Really good job. It says, For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. So there is our job. There is our uh, power. That's what we're supposed to be doing. That's what we're supposed to be doing. I was... Born into a drunkard's family. He was in jail right after I was born. We had a house fire. My two brothers died in it. I was in it too, but I miraculously didn't die in it. My dad was in jail at the time for doing some stuff that he shouldn't have been doing, of course. And this was in 1955. On down through life, he was in and out of our life and everything, but always drunk. Well, I, I say that. I think maybe about six months out of 14 years he was sober or not drinking. And uh, the Lord seemed fit to come down. When I was 20 years old. Jacksonville, Florida. My wife and I were shopping in a... In a uh, it's, it's kind of like a you know it was kind of like a Walmart before Walmart was around, or, or they were around but not out there. It was like a, just a department store, and we heard this girl uh, that was over in the next aisle, and she had a Texas accent. Well, that's where Carol was basically raised. She'd spent 15 years in Dallas, and I'd spent five years there, and uh, we, I said, "Hey, she sounds like she's from Texas. Let's go talk to her." So we went over there. Sure enough, she was from Texas. And guess what? She invited us to church. And guess what? Not too long after that, we got saved. And all she did was invite us to church. How hard's that? Can you invite your friends to church? Can you invite your neighbors to church? Can you invite those you meet at church? I was getting gas the other day at Casey's, and there was these two ruffian-looking fellows uh, getting diesel fuel for something in jugs, and they're putting on this truck. And uh, I walked over there, and I, I said, look, guys, I'm going to give you all something to read. So I gave them a couple of tracks, and they said, oh, man, we were going to give you one. And uh, they go to Foster Chapel down here. I said, well, man, praise the Lord, man. Just don't forget to pass out tracts. That's good. You know, and that was a blessing because you don't see that very much. We need to be a church that passes out the tracks. You got it? I mean, take every opportunity. Uh, One reason why that I wanted to teach on this subject tonight was because I keep up with the uh, Ukrainian war because I've got a a dear friend over there that's a missionary and he decided not to leave and he's right in the middle of it. He goes out every day and he witnesses and he passes out tracks and he's a big old boy. He's probably, I don't know, six, four and about 400 pounds. (laughs) And, uh. 350, 400, somewhere around there. But anyway, he uh, he make Alan look little. And he, he just goes out there, man, and just... He finds the gypsies. He finds the down and outers. He finds the, the ones on Skid Row. He, he posts pictures of them and everything else. And, you know, I wake up two or three times a night, and man, the, first, the first name that comes to my mind is, is him. And you know what? I pray for him three or four times a night. You know that's a good thing when you wake up. It's a good thing to good thing to do. Who does the Lord put on your heart? I pray for Connor. I pray for you guys. You know, and uh, because I figure if I'm waking up, the Lord, the Lord says, hey, you know, you need to pray for somebody. I say, okay, I'll pray for so and so or wh- whoever comes to my mind. And then I try to go back to sleep. <laughs> but the the point is, is that Him being over there in that area, and I I read about the news and stuff. And, uh, you know, I I know that Russia, and when I say Russia, the government, Putin, has decided he's a dictator and he's just going over there. They are, they're losing 750,000 guys a day, and, you know, and they're going straight to hell. And the Ukrainians, they're dying 100, 200 a day or whatever. They're going straight to hell. They're going to hell. You know, they call it the meat grinder over there in Bakhmut or however you say that name, Uh, and they just keep throwing people and throwing people. You know, the the communists always do that. They did it in Korea. Just wave after wave after wave. They didn't care how many got killed. They figured if they did enough, they could run out of ammunition and they'd finally get over. And they don't care about people's souls. They're just people, like furniture. Y'all pray for those people. Y'all pray for those. Now, we can't go over there. You understand? But we can pray for them. They won't let us go over there right now anyway. But you know what? You can go your schoolmate. You can go your neighbor. You can go that person at the grocery store. And all you got to do is have some of these. You know, if you pass out three of these a day in a year, you pass out 1,000 of them. You've reached 1,000 people. Wow. If all of us did that, and there's 20 of us here, that's 20,000 people. That's the population of Circe right at it. So let's get after it. All right, my question for you is, do you know Jesus Christ as your Savior? Are you born again? Please be sure you're born again. And then if you are, are you doing what He wants you to do? Are you lifting up Jesus so that others can see? Are you treating your lost friends, your lost workmates, the people that you meet like a human being, like someone who counts? Because Jesus Christ died for every single one of us. Every single one of us. Alright? That's what I've got for you. I hope it helps you. And I appreciate you listening. You've been, you've been good. None of you that I could see fell asleep. You did good. Thank you very much. I'm going to hand it over to Paul.